Hello, Renoites listeners. Welcome to Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I am your host every single week. I'm super excited about this week's episode. I am talking to Oliver X, the marketing director for Art Town. This episode is all about arts in Reno, Reno as an arts city. Oliver and I had a great conversation about Art Town, challenges they faced last year with COVID and what they're expecting for this year, Burning Man's influence on Reno's art scene, public art, murals, sculptures, all kinds of great stuff about arts in Reno. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Before we get to the interview, a quick reminder, this is still a brand new podcast and I would love your help in spreading the word about it. If you enjoy this episode or any other, please do me a favor and share it. Put it on Facebook, share the links on Facebook or social media, let people know about the podcast in person, people you know in real life. Definitely need your help to let people know. I really appreciate all the support I've gotten so far. It's been a really great project, and I'm really excited about our guest today and all of our upcoming guests as well. So now please welcome, from our town, Oliver X. So uh, so Oliver X, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Well, thanks for having me. We, we're excited. Art Town is coming. That's our uh, ramp up tagline and and we're excited about the opportunity to even have art in public. Yeah, I'm excited that uh, I know there were some challenges last year with COVID, and I'm curious to hear about some of the changes for this year and what you see this year looking like. But for people who are not that familiar with Art Town, it's probably a good place to start by just if you could tell us what Art Town is for folks that don't really know, people who just think, oh, it's that arts thing that we do in July. Can you give us a little bit of background on kind of what Art Town actually is and how it works? And then tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do for Art Town and kind of how you came to work in the in the arts world in Reno. Well, thanks, Connor. Yes, my name is Oliver X and I am Art Town's marketing director. And it's been a great privilege to be able to serve the arts community. Prior to this, I was editor-publisher of Reno Tao Tonight magazine, which had a counterculture and artistic focus. So I'd been... Um, in stewardship and service to the arts community for about a, a decade. Prior to me actually joining a, a staff position, I was, prior to this, the outgoing uh, chairman of the board of directors. And prior to that, I was vice chair. And before that, I was um, just uh, a, a board member. And that started in around 2014. So our town is a celebration of the arts in July that happens for 31 consecutive days, July 1st through 31st, that happens at up to 150 locations. Um, 90% of the art that goes on as far as programming and live events and exhibits, shows, tours, workshops, ongoing classes, art openings, et cetera, all the, the whole gamut of art presentations, 90% are done by people themselves, artists themselves, there's artists produced, conceived, and presented. And what we do, Art Town, we tell artists to pick a date, pick a concept, and do a show. And that show might be any number of hyphenated forms of public art in all genres, multi, multidisciplinary. So of the 500 typical events we have, over 450 in, a, in an usual year, and this is not one of them, but in a usual year, we will have upwards between 497 and 525 events at 120 locations to 150. And Art Town produces and programs about 50 of those at different host locations. This year, 
We're going to be at one singular location, and that's Rancho San Rafael Park, a regional park that's beautiful, acres and acres of open space. It is a dog paradise. It is uh, where the balloon races are, and uh, it, is, it is one of the, the gems of the park system here in Washoe County. Excellent. I did not know that about Art Town, that most of the programming was kind of independently conceived and produced by artists. Yes. Is that, do you think, a good way to allow artists that are not that established or that are just kind of like branching out into creating these things? Like, how does that vary compared to something that's a little more designed and programmed to allow, you know, more variety? What is what is the impact of that format on on the Art Town concept? Well, if, if art is, a ev- is evidence and expression of our true selves, an outward expression of that, then, then art doesn't need permission. So we, we really want to keep, keep the bar low for what we presume is art. And so that in itself is inclusive. I, I don't think you, we want to program at a community. We want to program with a community. So Art Town acts as an umbrella, but we are the springs and the trampoline for you as far as your marketing and your exposure and your awareness of what you would do in your garage or what you would do at the local gallery. We then come in and market and give um, amplitude to that. And that's the, I think that has been the great success and endearing quality of Art Town. Awesome. Have you had experiences with artists who showed at Art Town and it exposed them to new audiences and kind of elevated their profile? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the success of people like Tim Snyder, who evolved from Soul Jibe and who went on to work in festival and arena settings with Nako and Medicine for the People. When you think about the, um, the voices um, like Whitney Meyer, who was on The Voice successfully and started early on in her evolution and was embraced by Our Town early on. And just there's so many success stories it's been a great thing. And we, it is truly a way for people to in, be inspired by the arts, to participate and experience art in the community. Sometimes it's in your backyard. Your art is down the street from you. It's at Collin Ranch. It could be at any number of um, literally dozens of locations. And so that really makes it a, a citywide and countywide experience for people. Yeah, I think of our town as being also a kind of branding for Reno as an artistic city. I know our town's been around for about a little over 20 years now, something like that. Yeah, this year will be our 26th year. 26, wow. Yeah, I always have thought of our town as one of the big examples of Reno branding itself and showing itself as an artistic city. Like the the tagline for our town is Reno is our town. You see on all the signs that I think sends this clear message that Reno wants to be and is a city with a lot of artists and a lot of art from the the origins of of our town, I know you weren't with the organization at the very beginning, but can you talk a little bit about kind of the the story of our town and why why it was needed in Reno or, or where the the concept came from and and what the the overall goals were kind of over the long term? Obviously, year to year, you're promoting artists and you're giving a platform to people, but what's the view of our town for kind of like the big picture of uh, an established arts festival that's year after year in a city like Reno? What's the story there? Sure, sure. And, and again, there were some early founders that uh, were instrumental. Our executive director tells the story really well. It was the, really the brainchild of a few arts administrators, one of which was Karen Craig, and along with um, the city of Reno themselves. Back in the day in 1996, you could not actually 
go into the Truckee River and downtown was a very considered an unsafe place, uh, kind of unsavory and kind of scary for, for families. Uh, certainly the, the, the wild Truckee was um, not as inviting having no river park. But once the establishment of the river park, river park happened and, and people were allowed to recreate in the river, the, the city fathers and mothers came up with this idea to have an arts event that might bring people back to downtown which was once a thriving downtown back in the Rat Pack days and the days of the divorce capital of the world and throwing the ring tosses off of Virginia Bridge, et cetera, the Mapes. Wow, right? So, so those are the good old days. But fast forward to 1996, and um, it, it was a very different city. So rather than be foreboding, I think art was, was chosen as a more inviting means to, to bring people back to rediscover downtown. And they concepted an event for, I think it was three weeks, and 30,000 people came. And so they said, okay, we're onto something. Let's, Let's do this. Let's keep doing this. And, and it certainly has been able to thrive um, with the proper stewardship and support of the city, which has been our town's biggest supporter since day one. And we're really appreciative of them. They're very generous with their support of our town, um, having conceived it themselves. And, uh, and we've been really wanting to steward that belief and in early incarnation and grow it from those 30,000 people to now over three, 310,000 people uh, over the 31 days. Awesome. How has it uh, how has it changed over the years? Obviously, it's grown. It's gotten more successful year after year. More people know yeah. about it. Has, has our town itself changed or adapted over the years as people have expressed more interest? Indeed, it has. Enter Beth McMillan on staff from almost the earliest days of Art Town. But in 2001, I believe she took over, 2000, 2001. It's really been, her, her ethos has been bring the art of the world to Reno. And that's what Art Town's been able to do. You know about Art Town because of that singular act and that ethos, that intention. And that's been a huge success because think about Reno as a long uh, established cowboy town, literally with the rodeo and with the river running through it, founded by Italian immigrants. We have culture, but I think diversity and vibrant commitment to art expression and inclusion was not part of it. And those have been the hallmarks of Beth's tenure. She's grown art town from just those three weeks now to 31 full days and also into a wraparound season called Encore, which literally when Art Town ends, our Encore season starts to get ramped up. And those are fall, winter, and spring events where literally as an Encore, Art Town puts out some stunning art like Ladysmith, Black Mombazo, and many other events throughout the calendar year. So it really has become something that we work full-time round, a year-round on. Excellent. Yeah, it's good to know that there's more than just the Art Town month itself, that you guys are bringing programming and, and doing stuff the other parts of the year. Mm-hmm. How did you come to be involved in the art scene in Reno? Are you from Reno originally? Have you always been involved in the arts? What's your What's your story, and how did you get to where you are? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I born and raised in L.A., I came up here for very different reasons. I was with Swagger Davis Engineering, uh, was working on heavy civil projects up here and large TI projects. 
and my background is in rail systems. I worked with Kiwit on the LA Metro system as one of the 400 engineers on that. Um, I went to UC Berkeley and studied English as well as construction management and uh, have had a great career for about 12 to 15 years traveling all over the country and and the world uh, doing large projects and rail systems as a QAQC person, basically as a builder of rail systems. So that's been great. And that was a great thing. But my family background and my artistic background stem from my mother being an opera singer and my uh, uncle being a jazz drummer named Leonard Lott, who was renowned in the Lamert Park District, which has now become hugely famous based on a few things. It was where Freestyle Fellowship emerged from, the, the hip-hop ensemble, in the 90s. And they put Lamert Park back on the map. But prior to that, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, and all the greats played in the clubs around Lamert Park, which was kind of like the Harlem of of the Crenshaw District of LA, where I was born and raised. So the Kwanzaa Festival brought 100,000 South Centralites to the Crenshaw District, where they, uh, a parade would end at Lamert Park. Now, uh, Lamert Park is known for the movie Collateral, where a famous scene happened in the jazz club there. And then now there's also a BET series called Lamert Park. So that I was lucky enough to be from basically the counterculture center of the black community in L.A. And that's where that's my roots. Uh, I was involved in uh, UC Berkeley's programming at CalEx, had a show called Amadla, which uh, means power to the people in the Kosa language. And uh, I also programmed at Upper and Lower Sproul, groups like Devo and Green Day. So I had a background. And um, when I came to Reno, I'd put some years in in L.A. with Sean Healy Presents, which ran 17 of the largest clubs in L.A., where we'd program five acts per night, seven days a week at those clubs. So our competition back then was a little-known group called Golden Voice, who was running the Wiltern and several other shacks, if you know what a shack is, amphitheaters, et cetera. They hit upon an idea to take it to the desert. And that idea lit fire and they created Coachella and left Sean Healy Presents in the dust. <laughs> and that's, that's my story. Yeah. Excellent. So how did you get involved in, in our town, in Reno, in the arts community here in, uh, in our town? I was on a panel um, of judges based on my magazine involvement in the arts community. And uh, it was called Raw, Raw Artists. There was multi, it was a multidisciplinary art event that happened over at the Fitzgerald back in the day. I, I think technically it was Comroe, but it was the third, third floor up there at Comroe, um, which is now the Whitney Peak. And Beth was a judge, I was a judge, and Jessica Schneider was a judge. And it was a multidisciplinary experience. And, and Beth took a couple things away from that event. Number one, she found two board members. And she asked me and Jessica to both be on the board. And, and that's, that was my, my first experience with Art Town's administrative side. So tell me about Reno Tahoe tonight, because I was doing a little research, and that's another big project that you've worked on, too, that I'd love to hear about. Yeah, that was a counterculture play that started in 2009 in print as a um, saddle stitch, which means side staple publication at eight and a half by I'm sorry, five and a half by eight inches. And uh, it was a free handout. 
started with 16 pages and we ended um, our tenure after almost 10 years at 104 pages. But it was a monthly and it was stuff where um, you might see, uh, it, we, we pushed the envelope and, and I don't know if I can cuss or swear, but uh, we certainly, we did things that, um, that were unheard of in the former cowboy town of Reno, which was emerging as a counterculture mecca based on its proximity to Burning Man and for its thriving um, sort of um, iconoclastic rebel spirit that has been part of the high desert and part of the imagination of Reno for many, many years. So um, it certainly wasn't something that I created, but something I tapped into and um, was able to build a business on it as a door knocker, literally trying to get 10 ads an issue for, you know, not for free, but to pay whatever they could during the recession with dreams of it being, uh, you know, at least a regionally known publication, which it became. Um, we wanted it to be excellent, which it became, but it, we sucked early. We, we sucked and we did not know we sucked, but we did. And, uh, and that was a great learning process of trial by error and trial by fire. But that was founded in 2009 in February on Bob Marley's birthday. And I had built up a little following as being an oddity here as a dreadlocked African-American with blonde dreads and a skateboard, which who skateboarded with um, cowboy boots on and a cowboy hat. So uh, that was something different. And, uh, and somehow we were able to get 600 people to our opening event. And, <laughs> and that was cool. But my, my first entree into publishing was here with a magazine called Reno Passport, which was a, a pocket size grab-and-go free publication that, that did really well for about three to five years. So that's where I sort of cut my teeth, and I got to know about the, the subculture here. Awesome. I know you brought up Burning Man, and I definitely wanted to ask you about Burning Man because it's, I think, so integral to Reno as an arts city. I've never been to Burning Man myself, but... Ah, but yeah, and yet you're, you're all tatted up and bearded. You're a real hipster, I, dude. I don't get it. I know. I, I, I look like I should go to Burning Man. I, I want to eventually. I, I think that the the challenge for me is the the duration of it, an entire week, and it's the conditions, the the heat and the dust, and the, it just seems kind of overwhelming. Like I'm I'm pretty rugged. I'm you know comfortable camping out and that kind of thing. But for some reason, Burning Man's always felt a little intimidating, especially as it's continued to grow. I think that the notion of Burning Man at you know, like 40 or 50,000 people is totally different than the idea of like a hundred thousand people that it's become. And I know that it's, I think coming back this year with, I think 60,000 or so, I think is the rumor. I don't know if there's an official news or anything on it yet, but one of these days I'll make it to Burning Man eventually. But what, what have you seen as far as Burning Man's influence on Reno? Obviously Art Town started before Burning Man was hugely popular in the Reno area. I think it existed still, but it wasn't the you know, the big destination that it is yeah. today. So where did Burning Man come into the picture in the, you know, recent years or the during Reno's kind of like growth into an arts oriented city? How did Burning Man play into that? I think as the major feeder city, the major depot before you get to the playa, before you make that hundred mile trek to the old Lake Lahontan area, you fuel up. And, and so Re Reno became an outpost in the sojourn. And it's been, you know, it, it grew its brand of, from being the most irreverent and maybe quite possibly the most extreme party in the world. It, it's earned its stripes. It's definitely earned its critics. 
as well. But I think they've been done an amazing job in creating an idea and, and delivering on something. It's hard to describe Burning Man, but its influence is you know, incontrovertible. You can't avoid the fact that it's been a, a cultural impactive statement for art and experiential realities on the entire state and the entire world. So Art Town and Reno specifically has benefited from that because, you know, you get a bunch of hedonists, seekers, spiritualists, and people who want to have a good time in challenging themselves and maybe go inside. You also get people who want to say goodbye to loved ones, then people who want to mourn and people who want to discover. So it's been a really interesting experience that people do and people want to do almost like a bucket list thing. So I'd keep it on your bucket list though. It has changed as all great ideas will, but uh, I, I think they've done an admirable, admirable job um, in trying to push the envelopes of what people can experience in public assemblage. And I really admire the founders and for what their ideas were. As far as how me, human beings can mess it up, that's also an evidence. <laughs> You know, so, but, uh, but, but Reno's economy is impacted incredibly by, by, uh, by Burning Man, just because we're, we're that way station, that major thing that you would want to fuel up, get your water, get your tent on, get your, your cool clothes and your hippie stuff and, and go on out there and, and maybe all of your, um, party favors as it were, and go out and do something, um, extreme and really release and have some fun. And so, um, being associated with that, and because it is engineering and creativity along with hedonism and spiritual, you know, awakening all in one, Reno wants to be part of that brand. Reno wants to be close to that. And because it has its own quirks and leanings that, that align a lot with what Burning Man is doing. Plus some of the people from Burning Man who started it live here. So that, that also helps. Yeah, that was going to be the next thing I asked you about is how Burning Man affects Reno outside of the Burning Man season. Like, I know we have this huge impact on the economy right before and right after Burning Man. You have, you know, tens of thousands of people passing through Reno and they're eating at the restaurants and they're shopping at the stores and they're boosting the local economy. But outside of the Burning Man season, I think we also have, like you mentioned, some Burning Man founders or people who are actively involved in Burning Man who go year after year who have settled in Reno. And have you found that to be something that has shaped Reno as an art city outside of the Burning Man season? I think particularly of things like the public art that we have of these, you know, sculptures and, and items that were on the playa and now are here in our city. Have you found that Burning Man has a, an effect outside of just the Burning Man season for people, actual artists who are, who are here and regular Burning Man attendees are involved in Burning Man, but also creating art the other, you know, 11 months of the year? Oh yeah, without question. It, it's it's definitely that's almost self-evident just by the way with the passage of time uh, Burning Man has become an essential part of of what Reno does in preparation for the festival itself. I mean, the commercial properties like Walmart and um Costco, it's their Christmas. It really is. They break records on the ramp up weeks to Burning Man. For the Reno Tahoe International Airport, it's their busiest visitor traffic of the year, more so than any holiday, including Thanksgiving, which is typically the most heavily uh, trafficked air, you know, travel day in 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 America. 
so it so just on that alone so how does it affect the economy it definitely does in dollars and cents in in consumption of everything from water simple staples like water tents to other more vain pursuits but i think it's part of the imagination of reno and i think that's been expressed in wanting to to acknowledge that and its impact on the state and on the high desert almost as a ritual and rite of passage that is accessible and it's not like the the black rock desert isn't visited by hardcore renoites it's always been a destination for people to go and test themselves and to get away so that's been part of it and i think uh, burning man tapped into that as well um, it wasn't just a bunch of Californians and, and Bay Area freaks going out there. It, it tapped into a sensibility about what, what makes the desert important to the soul. So in that way, the art from Burning Man has some resonance just because of that ritual that happens. And and there's some really, really great merit to the, the temporary installations and the permanent found creations that get sculpted into something meaningful for at least the creator. If it resonates with the society, I don't think art can resonate with everybody, but it's certainly something that has made a sound and has a style and aesthetic impact on creatives. You know, every, every region needs a place and needs a there. What I think Art Town, I mean, what Burning Man has done is it's allowed artists to live close by and work and make a living here from their public, publicly purchased and acquired art. I can name at least five artists that have definitely thrived from exclusively making quote unquote Burning Man art that has then been purchased as public art nationwide. There's even a piece in the Smithsonian now. And so uh, it's, it's important. It's an important statement. It's highly relevant artistically, whether it's your taste or not. It's certainly not um, something for the fine art snob. But there's some incredible engineering that goes into these these pieces, and you know, and the paintings that that happen. Yeah, I'm always impressed by the the engineering piece from these large scale sculptures that have to be, you know, built and then maybe disassembled and packed into multiple trucks and then rebuilt out in the desert. Yeah, and just the 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 engineering and logistical challenges involved are a whole nother level on top of the artistic creativity that goes into making these things, which I think is just, is, is so impressive in, you know, in completely different ways, but just I'm blown away by both the artistic side and the, uh, the engineering and mechanical side of some of these pieces. Yeah. I mean, uh, an ex, an ex girlfriend of mine real quick asked me, what, what would you do if you created, you know, a, a, an art piece? I said, I was, I said, well, I would want it to be seen by space. And you know what? Burning Man is seen from space. So they've, they've already fulfilled that. And uh, it, it is, that is a huge thing in my imagination. Anyway, I think they've done a great job. Yeah, that's rad. I think that as Reno is growing and changing, I think we're trying to find what our identity is going to be in the future. So Reno's growing really fast. A lot of people are moving here. There's this big focus on on tech and on you know luring businesses to Nevada because we have low taxes. And I wonder what role art is going to play as Reno continues to grow. Are we going to be more of an artistic city? Do we risk losing some of the local artistic interest if we are growing too much towards, you know, like the 
rapid suburban growth and less of kind of a downtown arts and culture kind of environment that we sometimes have right now. Where do you think Reno is going in the future? And and how do you think art is going to play a role in that? Where do you see Reno as an art city in the future? And what can we do to make sure that there continues to be a place for thriving artist culture here? People from all walks of life feel like Northern Nevada, the Lake Tahoe, Reno area is an energy center. So they, they, they're attracted to here. But, but there's some great things that Reno isn't that makes it a great corporate relocation place. And you can ask Edon about that. You know, there's as far as inventory, warehouse, taxes on your inventory, there's none of that. State taxes, there's none of that. There's land here. There's places to the square footage. There's warehouse space. I think art as an amenity is both the bait and the lure for the, the next of kin to an aspiring executive who might be in the tech field, um, who goes to this outpost from Fremont to here and has all the Bay Area amenities and then comes to Reno and finds that it's not a wasteland and that the quality of life is high and the cost of living is relatively in proportion to the Bay Area way less. So that's been the, I think you, you know, you can certainly commute, but, and you can live anywhere now, but you can get so much more house and land here for a third of what you sold your Rockridge bungalow for in Oakland. The real estate facts about getting people getting four de- four offers at 130% of ask and us breaking records this year and in years past, the trends are, are there. And, and p- people want to be able to, to shoot guns and, and recreate fish and go dirt, dirt biking. And some people find Reno and stay in this, in this basin because of all those physical things that you can do that you can't do. The microclimates, uh, the elevation, the sense of possibility. I, I've always thought of Reno as a stem cell, that it could self-assign itself to be anything. And it's done a good job in pivoting away from the casino culture and casino economy and recreating itself on purpose during the recession and pointedly. So it's been, uh, I think people have been looking at this and saying, wait, this is Delaware West uh, with, with lakes, rivers, and streams and alpine environments. The terroir is cool and I can get a decent beer, you know, like, like stuff like that. I can go to the museum. Uh, my wife and kids can, can go to a good school and I can have a yard and a dog and a gun. That's, these are creature comforts that you just don't, there's just not as much as you would in city life where you have, you know, an eighth of an acre and you smell your, you know, your neighbor's barbecue and you have no privacy. So it, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, and so let, let's see if we can keep it going. Yeah, I'm generally pro growth. I'm excited that people are moving to Reno. I know there's this sometimes attitude of, oh, no, California's taken over that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I used to live in Portland and we used to that was also the complaint when I lived in Portland is all these Californians are moving here. And then I moved home to Reno a few years ago and everyone's like, oh, all these Californians are moving here. But I imagine that, like you mentioned, there's a lot of good reasons for people to move here. It's a beautiful place. The nature in the Reno area is incredible. Cost of living is 
it's high compared to most of the country, but it's low compared to, like you said, the Bay Area. People that are moving from California, you know, have a little extra money in their pocket probably when they move here. But I would also imagine that it is good for the arts culture. When you have people moving from these bigger, more expensive cities, those people are likely to be somewhat interested in arts and culture if they're coming from, you know, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that has helped Reno become more of an you know, arts focused city in recent years, as we've had more people moving from cities that are bigger and have more artistic opportunities coming to Reno and kind of creating those and involving themselves in the arts world here too. Yeah. I think that there's been some retention. I think that there is the, the pluses outweigh the minuses and you're, and if you need the minus to happen, you can bounce over the hill and get it all in Sacramento take another hour and 10 and you're in Berkeley (laughs) and you're not suffering for having done so. So that feeder market traffic, because we're on the 80 and the supply chain for which this was a critical outpost, all those, you know, naysaying things that would be in the minus column, they really could get erased with a day trip. Literally part of my experience is to, go to the Bay Area as often as I can. And I get up at six and go all the way to San Francisco State to get my feet in the in the Pacific. And then I'm back before the sun goes down. And that's that's just amazing when you think about that. And so you can scratch the itch to get that culture and immersion if you if you're looking for that that your favorite taco or something, you could just go do it in in san francisco and get back and not eat and still have dinner in the backyard here in reno it's it's so the convenience of where we are i think nobody talks about it's, we're super we're well placed you can't really do that in other cities and go to a major major city of a million plus people and get all that um in, in another state so that that's huge and plus there's vegas i mean you know if you want to take that longer trip <laughs> you know you have that you have the open expanse and, and then you can go try your luck down there and get kind of like a culture shock if you wanted. Right. Yeah, I don't necessarily like the comparisons between Reno and Vegas. I lived in Reno. I grew up here in Reno and then I moved to Las Vegas when I went to college. So I lived in Reno for most of my, you know, life as a child and teenager. And then I lived in Vegas for about nine years. I'm pretty familiar with both cities and they both have pluses and minuses and all of that. Mm -hmm. But as far as arts are concerned, do you think that how, how are the arts scenes different between Reno and Vegas? Obviously Reno or Vegas is much more focused on the strip and these big casinos. And it has, I think developed more of an art scene in kind of the old downtown area. The last couple of times I visited, I've seen way more sculptures and some Burning Man art and stuff like that. In recent, you know, years or the last 10 years or whatever, do you think that Reno has established itself as something special for Nevada that has more of an arts focus or more of kind of that smaller town feel or local artists, that kind of stuff compared to the Vegas art world? And I think that p- probably proximity to the Bay area versus proximity to LA might play into this as well. So Vegas has, you know, their big city four hours away is Los Angeles, which is a you know bigger population wise than the Bay area. But I think that in Reno having our four hour away, California city being San Francisco gives us more of that counterculture and more of that art, I think potentially compared to 
what Vegas is able to, you know, glean from our California neighbors. So how do you, how do you view those comparisons, you know, between Vegas and Reno as far as arts go? Great question, Connor. I, I see Vegas attempting to catch up. It's, it's hard. It's, it's a more forbidding environment um, just by weather. So during the time when you would have peak outdoor activity in any other place in the West, it just punishes you and you seek solace indoors. So that one thing about it being inhospitable to outdoor activities during the summer is the one thing that will limit forever its growth is growth except for in a controlled temperature environment. So you've seen other kinds of arts thrive there, specifically major chefs in culinary arts just really, really thrive in the Vegas culture. Less so public art, more so architectural art and design. Now, as far as outsider artists, you'd have to be able to make a living to a specific kind of person living in Henderson or living in um, that that other neighborhood that's close by. What do they call it? It starts with, what does it start with the S? I'm not sure. In Vegas, Summerlin is like... Uh, so, so, summer, Summerlin. Yeah, so so unless you're serving that population with your art that can be consumed and purchased in the home, you're really going with alternative art in public, counterculture art in public there, and some creative stuff at the gallery level and the museum level, which it now has. The Nevada Museum of Art has now developed the Southern Nevada wing of what is was for years, over 90 years, has been the Nevada Museum of Art here in Northern Nevada. Now um, they've really bridged the state and uh, through the work of the sister city campaign to, to unite the state artistically, there's been some great strides and inroads in Vegas having a, a reputable art museum and art scene. And so, so who are those purchasers? Who are those clients? They're not the tourists because you're not going to take a, you know, the 42 million people who visit there aren't going to put that fine art piece on the plane, you know what I'm saying? And they're probably not going to want to ship it. So it's really the, the people who are doing exceptional architectural art, who are doing experimental restaurants and the entire casino and strip culture that would, that would be the purchasers. And, and then whatever speaks to the, the residential buyer. A place, uh, an artistic community thrives when artists can live there and make a living there. And so if you can't live there and make a living there because you can't afford it or there's no market, there's no artists, there's no art scene. So that's what's changing in Reno so rapidly is that people are, um, uh, and again, it's people, but not, not hordes, but the twos and fews are able to make a national sound from here and you know, we had the 2017 Italian Biennale winner here in Reno, and he he's um, Marcio Decker. So we have some world-class, world-famous artists right here that can make a living with their art and get get those zeros behind <laughs> behind the dollar signs. Yeah, I like all the, the public art in Reno, and that's one of the things I appreciate. I'm not a big purchaser of art. I live in a small apartment. I'm not an art collector in any kind of way, but I appreciate the art that is present for everyone in our city that's kind of shaped the way the city looks and feels. I mentioned these big sculptures from Burning Man, but also the murals that have popped up in Reno in the last decades, especially around Midtown. We have a couple really proficient 
muralists in Reno who've done a ton of great work. So it's really exciting to see the the look and feel of the city change. Like I said, I lived in Portland. Uh, I've lived in the Bay Area. And one of the things I've always appreciated about these bigger cities that have a reputation for being more hip or whatever is that they have street art, they have murals, they have yeah. you know areas you can walk around and be like just blown away by the size and scale and impressive technique of all of this outdoor art. And Reno, I think, has come so far in changing the way, especially around Midtown, that the city looks and feels. It feels like an artistic city because you walk around and you see these murals and sculptures everywhere. Do you think that's been kind of fundamental in changing the the perception of Reno from being a casino town to being a kind of hipper, younger, more artistic town is having this, this public art and these murals. Yeah. And I think that's about, you know, retaining creative ideas and, and retaining talent uh, because before your outlet for expression might've been Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, or LA. But now if you can make a living with your creativity in your hometown and have outlets to express it, which is facilitated by organizations like Art Town, like Sierra Arts, like Art Spot, Reno, and then the private building owners themselves embracing the idea of that public art expression. Then you have the formula for access and inclusion and some of the great art that, that actually has evolved in quality for about 10 or 12 years now. But there's 90, 90 murals in Midtown alone. So uh, of large and small, and some, some are not even seen from the street. You have to go down a little alleyway and see it. So it's, it's been interesting. And there's, there's these tours of discovery that really make you appreciate how unique our scene is here and that it's a real scene. It's an emerging scene. It's a burgeoning scene. It's not well-established, but I think its roots are going deeper. And because the Eric Burt's, the Ruby Joe's, the um, Joe C. Rocks, the Pan Pantojas are making a living here. So they don't have to move back in with their parents. They don't have to move to a, a place that's more affordable for them. And they can stay here and make it actually a national name as Eric Burke has for himself and his art. And it is reflective of their environment because Eric is like a, a historian of um, the expression that he puts on the walls. It's not just random streams of consciousness. It's very, at times very linear, sometimes very warm, but there's always a narrative and there's always a geographical connection to the story that he's putting on a wall. And, it's, and that's really what makes a community. I want to go back to Art Town real quick. I know that last year it was a little different because of COVID, because of all the restrictions and stuff. How did you guys adapt Art Town to deal with the challenges last year? And I know there was the heartbeat to heartbeat, eye to eye music video, which was a cool project that I know you were involved in. So what, what did last year look like for Art Town? And then can you talk a little bit about what this year will look like, what you're looking forward to or what you're excited about for uh, for our town 2021 now that we're kind of coming out of pandemic life. Yeah. You know, there was so much uncertainty and, you know, a real concern about public safety. Really what makes art town, art town uniquely is the public assemblage, the community gathering together physically to be uplifted by art and to be inspired by performance and art of every um, genre. And so without that, you really don't have a festival. 
we pivoted to things that were virtual and people could message and inform and expose, but they couldn't gather. So it, it was very deflating. But at the same time, we stayed motivated. We pivoted with the Heart Town campaign and brought art to the people so that they could be participatory. We encouraged them to create expressions of love and express their art through their heart and their heart through their art. And that was a, an idea that really was a placeholder in place of public assemblage and gathering. And then um, obviously our entire program series ourselves wasn't able to happen because of COVID. So that was a bummer. But we, you know, again, we just have the, ha- having the opportunity as a staff and as a board to problem solve through, some, through a once in a hundred year event was a huge opportunity for which we are so grateful. We are grateful that we learn new skills, that we use technology in new ways, and we were able to communicate the importance of art in new ways and in ways that we ha- didn't necessarily have our sea legs or any skill sets to apply to it. So now I think we're better, more informed, and we definitely I feel closer to the staff and to the board just from a behind-the-scenes BTS standpoint. I, I don't know what could be thrown at us worse than this. And there are so many high points in community engagement and communication that is an art in and of itself. The art of inclusion is an art form. The art of communicative assemblages and the way you stay connected when you're still at a distance. It's almost like developing a callus. So we'll be able to use that over and over in leaner times, hopefully that don't come, but, but in challenges, we faced down some major things. We're so thankful that many of our sponsors stayed with us at sort of less of a sponsorship level. Some maintain their full level of sponsorship. So we want to thank the community for keeping our town viable and letting us know and reminding us the importance of art to the spirit. What are you excited about for for this year? So th- we had all the challenges last year. You learned a lot along the way. And it seems like this year things are not completely normal, but it sounds like there's going to be in-person gathering, you know, that you have this new space in, in Rancho San Rafael. So we're getting in person again. So what do you think our town is going to look like this year? Are some of the lessons from last year still going to be factored in? Is there still going to be this kind of online component now that you have the the skills and the experience in that? What do you expect from from the upcoming Our Town season? Yes, great question. It's really been an opportunity for leadership. And that leadership is planning and then doing. So, um, and being able to communicate that. So Beth, uh, our executive director, Beth McMillan, who again has been with Our Town over 20 years and literally seen it all. Um, we had to pivot again to something that would be a safe assemblage with a positive affirmation that we are going to assemble this year in however many numbers and ways that we can safely for the public's health. But that the spirit part would be what would be, we would be messaging to because the intention of putting together programming for 31 days at a host location, we wanted to make a bigger net and a bigger tent. So literally the acreage over at Rancho San Rafael is much bigger than our normal host location, which is Wingfield. So we could get as many as 530 six foot by six foot square foot pods, 36 square feet pods, six feet distance minimum in all directions, some as much as 18 feet away. 
from the nearest pod. All of that we could do at Rancho. And so then it was putting stage light and sound, putting the logistics together and getting that, getting the programming, the rollover programming from our um, festival season that didn't happen and making that happen and then filling in the gaps from artists who couldn't do it, who just aren't touring yet. So that's been a challenge. We are really literally a 24-7, 365 day a year organization that needed to really have our heads uh, on, you know, throughout the pandemic to, to get people excited that Art Town is coming. And because people want to tell you that, oh, you're not having Art Town this year. And so there's almost this assumption that Art Town isn't happening. So that was a messaging and marketing problem. So we wanted to tell them where we're doing it and how we're doing it and why we're doing it and in what manner we're doing that. That leads us up to our media week, May 3rd through 7th, where the first of its kind will be able to message for an entire week in detail, all the uh, nuances and all the details and, and the programming, the headliners and highlights for Art Town 2021, and uh, all the different ways that we will Art Town this year. We wanted Art Town to be expected, anticipated, welcomed, and attended. So we think the, the excitement around Art Town is coming is a great message. But then we want everybody to Art Town. So our tagline for the media week and moving into the festival is everybody Art Town. Almost think of CNC Music Factory. Everybody Art Town. You know what I'm saying? So that's that. that that's corny. I almost pulled that off. But, uh, but anyway, so just think about that for a minute, that everybody's going to Art Town. And we can Art Town at literally dozens and scores of places. And that artists will be able to sell, expose, and celebrate their art celebrate being together with their fan base. People will be able to commune together. And there's a great restorative healing element to art that is really unspoken, but it's, it's self-evident. What else? What else is going on in the art world in Reno that people should know about? Reno is excitedly changing. I think there's going to be, a, and we're witnessing it, more art, public art expressions in the forms of murals and public work um, you're going to see more culinary art advancements and bespoke art. Um, you're, you're seeing that. You're seeing the influence of Squaw, uh, Martis Camp, Old, Truckee, and Heavenly. You're seeing that in Reno now. You're seeing it in architecture, in programming, in intention, and in design. It's really kind of exciting to see the region becoming a super region, the way a stem cell populates with other cells in an organ printer to create a full organ. I don't know if you ever seen that process of organ um, printing, but it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. And you'll see this, this proliferation of like and like creating a big, big body that didn't exist before when the parts were disparate uh, and separated. So what you're seeing is more collaborative art, more collaborative intention, more of uh, the, the, the distance between the corporation and the, the working artist is shrinking. And that's exciting. That's a movement that doesn't get any press, doesn't get any radio time because it's not a headline. It's like a, a quiet phenomenon that you're, we're seeing at the ground level. How do you think it's going so far? Do you think that there's a lot of advancement that way that, that we are turning into kind of a regional artistic center and it's not just 
the people that were here already that were incorporating a lot of new things? Uh, it, well, it's relative. The new is that there's new people coming in and longtime residents are engaging with them. And what I mean by that is think about what if art is the bait and the lure for retention of talent or just at least recreational am amenities. Think about recreation to be recreated. So, so you want to be uplifted outside of your nine to five. So how are you seeing that? You're seeing on the streets, you reference the murals. You're seeing that with recreational opportunities. You're seeing that with outdoor activities. Then you're seeing that with the reemergence of theater culture and exhibits, concerts, performances. All of that as we emerge out of COVID, it could be one of the more electric times for our psyches that we've had. I think there's a great gratitude and appreciation. But one of the things I've been watching is the way Edon has integrated art within its um, recruitment and relocation messaging, because that is what the family needs to know about. What can we do as a family? What's there to do here? Isn't that what you think about when you, you know, go out somewhere to an another town, say Portland, you'd really want to know what, what's there to do. Like, what am I doing when I'm going to San Francisco? What am I doing when? The so I think that's becoming more known. But again, we're still getting there. Uh, there's really no there there unless you consider the Truckee River our place. So creating more points of reference for both art and art consumption and experience is the challenge for Reno that it has. And that takes a concerted effort from city government and from the artists themselves to make themselves relevant. Absolutely. For people who want to stay in touch with the arts community or have a better idea of what's going on, so those people you're talking about that are visiting or moving to Reno, what resources would you point them to? If I you know, had a friend who was moving here, who would I tell them to talk to or what website would I have them visit or what Facebook would I have them yeah. follow? Just kind of what's the... What's the easiest way for people who are listening to kind of plug into the arts community in Reno? Good question. I love this. Great interview, by the way. Uh, let's go with the bookends. The essential visit is the Nevada Museum of Art, Wednesday through Sunday. Plan to be there for hours because there's just world-class stuff. It really is our own little Norton Simon uh, Museum of Art, which is known in, in Pasadena on Colorado Avenue. It is that. It's not LACMA, it's not the LA County Museum of Art, but it is the best of the best that we have curatorially. I think they do some incredible things over there and you can, your child can be educated and a class and you can be inspired from literally the top rooftop all the way down to the, um, the, the first floor. I mean, from culinary to rooftop vista and everything in between with their permanent collections and with their traveling exhibits. You, you want to go into the Nevada Museum of Art, and then you want to get on the streets of Reno and go to Art Spot Reno and check out a mural tour. Get a guided, curated mural tour of either Midtown or Downtown Reno, and every everything in between is a little bit more adventurous. But if you are adventurous, uh, I recommend the Potentialist Workshop. Uh, what Pan Pantoja is doing over there is is incredible. You know, check into what's happening with the McKinley Arts and Culture Center down here in the Pounding District. And just, if you're new to Reno, just get out and walk the river walk. Take some time and go from Wingfield Park to Idlewild Park and you'll fall in love with Reno. And you'll not want to leave. And you do it now while there's all this foliage and, uh, and it's beautiful green and the water's high in the river. And you'll be like, ah, 
This is Reno. Okay. I get it. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful time of year right now. And I live actually in the Pounding District, right? Kind of off Riverside. So I'm so grateful for this neighborhood and the ability to walk downtown and see public art and have a city that has that, you know, that walkability and that feeling of there are people out doing things. There's public art. I think that Reno is growing and thriving in a way that's really exciting. And I'm really glad that art is a fundamental part of that growth and kind of really built into our DNA at this point. I think after 26 years of Art Town, of many years of Burning Man being a major destination, I'm really glad that art seems to be hopefully here to stay as a big part of what Reno is. It is. And and that's true. And I think more to come, you know, more to come. Look at what Vivian Zavataro is doing at the Lilly Museum at the UNR campus, the $38 million art and performance structure there. It is beautiful. The Lilly Museum. Um, you're going to see their permanent exhibit. And then right now, Leonore Feeney, the great surrealist a female painter, is being exhibited through May. And you just can't miss that. Go take that walking tour. And that's in the central campus. And you can't miss that. Free parking on the weekends as well. Excellent. Where can people find out more about Art Town? So if people want to know about the updates, things that are coming up in the next few weeks, I know you're on this big push to get the word out that everyone Art Town. So how can people stay in the loop on what's going on with Art Town in the, you know, the few short couple months between now and, and when it starts? I'm glad you're asking that because I have uh, some information for you. It, it just really simply starts at arttown.org, A-R-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. And that's uh, really the place where people discover Art Town first. And we're right now in the midst of a build a stage campaign where it's costing over $400,000 this year to make our festival footprint happen uh, for stage lighting, sound security, and um, parking and staffing up there at um, Rancho San Rafael. So we're on a capital campaign. We've raised about half of the money needed. So we're asking everybody to go support Art Town, support art in your community, and support um, really one of the foundational legacy events every summer. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell me a little bit about Art Town and, and the art scene in Reno in general. I was really excited about doing an art episode, and I'm glad that I got to talk to you all about how Reno integrates art into to our city and, and makes it a part of what we are. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure, Connor. I appreciate it. Listeners, thank you again for tuning into Renoites, and special thanks to Oliver X from Art Town and all of the Art Town folks for bringing this event to us every year. Again, check out arttown.org, A-R-T-O-W-N.org to learn more. Before we go, quick reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love for you to leave me a review on your podcast app of choice. I should be on all of the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts especially, if you could leave me that five stars and let people know how much you enjoy the show. It really helps them find us, and I appreciate it. That's all I've got for you this week. See you next time. <laughs>